Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software Great Tech Group. You're invited to join our conversation to model the future of construction, innovation, and the digital transformation adventure of this great industry. I'm excited to continue our special podcast series that we recorded live from Autodesk University 2023. My guest in this conversation is Brian Nahas, director of BBC for Mortensen. Brian is an accomplished BBC leader with a proven track record in the industry. He's a results-driven operations professional, adept at leading a team of BBC experts. Hope you enjoyed the conversation with Brian. We are recording live at Autodesk University, and welcome to the show, Brian. Excited to have you join us and take a a few minutes to to sit down and chat with us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Can you take a a couple minutes and kind of introduce yourself, kind of your background, and and what brings you to AU this year? Sure. Uh, So my name is Brian Nahas. I'm the director of virtual design and construction with Mortensen, um, based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Nice. And uh, I lead the VDC implementation for the organization, which at the company, we we represent that as both the application of BIM mm-hmm. and the long history of BIM implementation at Mortensen, mm-hmm. which is now coupled with GIS and just this emerging evolution of technology and location awareness yeah. for our projects. Very nice. And what brings you to AU this year? I'm here to support the team. We have uh, about 25 Mortensen team members here. Um, and then I'm going to be speaking on a panel later today associated to the, the aspect of GIS as a complement to BIM technology. Uh-huh. So why the investment in, in GIS? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So Mortensen, um, although we're known from the, from the technology side as a lot of the advancements in BIM for mm-hmm. commercial construction, mm-hmm. we're known for our sports projects um, and some other large scale healthcare projects nationally. Right. Um, recently, a huge push has been on our energy and infrastructure projects. Mm. So when you think about large land use properties um, that stretch particular zones that could reach 100 acres, 500 acres, and beyond, um, all of a sudden location becomes super critical in regards to where you store material, how workers navigate the property, how you track and manage issues, where you can no longer use the nomenclature that a lot of the commercial team members may be used to where you have a hierarchy of building level room number. Right. Um, it's just not applicable in that setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where GIS and uh, that emergence of location is like beyond critical. And all of a sudden it's been a huge push in the last few years. Yeah. So what's that evolution been like? That's a, it's a big mindset shift. It's a huge shift. Get everybody on board. Just even the terminology. How have you guys? Absolutely. <laughs> so the the organization made a more intentional push with GIS about mm-hmm. three years ago. Okay. Um, but if we date back to, I think it's around 2015 in our wind group, uh-huh. there, was a, there was a lot of focus around taking aerial imagery, uh, publicly available data sets, and they were doing overlays, mm-hmm. um, but it was very, it, it was tough. Every time sure. they had to kind of rebuild it from scratch. Right. So a few years ago, um, we started to see kind of a reemergence. A few team members found Esri's GIS platform mm-hmm. um, and started moving it forward and started building workflows in it. And then this has been a fascinating effort where there wasn't much of a push uh, into the organization for adoption. Mm-hmm. There is an extremely strong pull from our field users. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, one of the fastest growing technology stacks within the company right now. Interesting. But it started with field. 
started with with the field and a couple of our VDC leads yeah. that found a new and better way to do it and use imagery and location information. Yeah. Where you had a KMZ file and other type of land use data sets, they were merging. Um, we finally found more of an enterprise scale solution. Yeah. And the minute that map became available on an iPad or in a tablet out in the field, um, spread like wildfire for the best. Yeah. And uh, it's been it's been amazing to see. That's awesome. I, I love that it that there was that strong push from the field. I feel like a, one of the uh, issues in, in construction is that field kind of gets ignored sometimes, or oh, yeah. like the technology just gets crammed down mm -hmm. on them. But having them really bought into the process, I mean, that's the the key to any successful technology implementation. You really want their their buy in. Yeah, have them involved in it from the beginning. Absolutely. And when we when we look at the maps our teams have made and the way they've they've stood up new workflows, mm -hmm. um, it's it's for the most part, very field facing. Uh, they're quite simple in their user interface. Mm -hmm. um, they're very task and, and workflow driven. So we haven't overcomplicated the system. And in reality, if you think about your typical day, um, people are becoming more and more familiar and comfortable with using map data. Yeah. Um, it may be in a different format, but when you think of various applications on your cell phone or, or, or smartphone, I mean, we're surrounded with map data all the time. And yeah. the ability to, to create a new way for our craft team members and our field leaders to interact with project data in a relatively um, consistent and similar manner has been super unique and uh, way easier at times to push out for adoption compared to training on 3D models and model navigation and uh, the semantics associated to that. Yeah. How have you seen it with the kind of the interoperability behind productivity savings when it comes to just a, a construction project in general. So the, the map, there's awesome details in there, but when it gets down to the kind of the brass tacks, yeah. where have you seen that? So there's three, we've adopted uh, GIS in three phases naturally. So in our design phase, uh, that's just accelerated some automation of site evaluation. Okay. So I'll leave that to the side for now. Um, when we go all the way out to the construction site, when you think of a, a major solar farm, mm -hmm. I mean, 300 acres, where did we put pallet XYZ right. uh, with these parts and materials? Knowing where that is is very important. Yeah. And the downtime in searching for things um, was very, it was kind of obvious of if you track it and you locate it on a map and it's traceable and searchable, mm -hmm. then people will naturally be more efficient as far as documentation, but also in the day to day of their work. So we've noticed of a lot of just streamlining people's physical awareness of the project. Yeah. What is where in addition to uh, just the ease of accessibility and communication on site? Yeah, that's interesting. So you have your your class panel this afternoon. What's the, the main just going to be about? Absolutely. So the main um, the main target is really around the fact that although location, it seems obvious, has been ever present in construction forever, yeah. right? Survey control and layout has always been a core function. I think at times we're, we almost separate ourselves when we create 3D model content in uh, this white paper space. Mm -hmm. And the ability to now intersect 3D geometry data with publicly available or privatized map data and map intelligence, mm -hmm. I think is gonna create a, a whole new wave of use cases where historically they've run in their separate lanes, right. and now they're starting to stitch together, where you're able to leverage drone data 
in a direct overlay with your 3D model. And then you're able to update line work in Civil 3D through the GIS platform. So I think that interoperability, I think, is being solved. Yeah. And the data connectivity is going to be super, super interesting. That's really cool to see how far the technology has come, even in the last, you know, three, five years, there's been leaps and bounds. What do you see as the, the next step? What's the kind of the next evolution of the tech? Yeah, so from my perspective, I think the next evolution really gets into all of the sensor and real-time data loggers mm -hmm. that I think historically, and even in the last five years, a lot of people want to use. Mm -hmm. And then you end up working your way into a series of various point solutions mm -hmm. that solve one, one task or one aspect of tracking. Right. Um, that's one that's been a huge learning for myself in the just the the breadth of GIS and the technology and what it can cover. I mean, it has been around for a very long time. Um, it's just new to construction. It's new to the AEC mm. and the ability to leverage a lot of the process that has been stood up by law enforcement agencies, local municipalities, mm. government organizations regarding data structure and data management. Uh, I think will be a great learning opportunity for our industry and at the same time be able to start to leverage weather data feeds, other IoT sensors mm -hmm. and pull that in to help drive the projects. Yeah. How can the industry as a whole you know, simplify that learning curve? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> so I've uh, so I don't have a GIS background. I took one geography course back in the day in college, and I wish I focused more on that. Um, but what I learned and what I've, I've been learning as we've had more team members embrace GIS and start to learn, it is teachable, um, but it is actually quite complex from a system infrastructure standpoint. Um, so the ability to couple uh, cross-training your VDC professionals and your project leaders mm -hmm. with structure training is super important but then acknowledge the fact that not every construction management leader has the skill set or the background to successfully scale and implement GIS. Mm -hmm. So being able to respect the market and recognize uh, an opportunity for new talent right. and new diverse background coming in, uh, I think that'll be a, a huge, huge benefit for the AEC. Yeah, are there certain industries that you're looking to that construction could kind of learn from and, and model themselves after? Yeah, that's that a really good question. So. I've started actually looking a little bit at law enforcement and uh, like wildfire control okay, and wildfire management. Yeah. And the reason is I see that as a contrast of construction is it's it's busy. There's a lot of real time decisions being made. Yeah. And the ability to correlate how GIS can complement BIM information, which we're used to used to using. Yeah. Um, but how the GIS side of it all is agile and how can it be agile? Mm -hmm. And when you look at more traditional GIS use at a municipality level, it, it's hard to connect the dots to mm -hmm. uh, either the speed of growth or the number of users or the change of information. Mm -hmm. So the ability to look to more real time, whether it's emergency response GIS implementations or crisis management, I think would allow us to start to look at how they use dashboards, how they manage the data flow, how they onboard large groups of teams into a project or a situation mm -hmm. and then deploy the technology for a period of time. Yeah. And then pull the data off at the end of the effort. Yeah. I love that. I, I think it's super interesting. I wouldn't have made that connection, but I think you're spot on yeah. with that on it, uh, so, which makes me 
think of what I think is going to be a big buzzword here at the conference is AI. Uh, <laughs> how do you harness AI to really be able to leverage going through all that massive amount of, of data to yeah. make that real-time judgment easier? So the uh, one, uh, there's two pieces to that. So the mm -hmm. first one, uh, GIS really drives uh, structured data. It is truly a database-driven solution. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard to get around. Like on this project, we named it this way and, and right. set up our file in this format. So I think that's a benefit long-term. of it's, it's challenging our team members and our project leaders to be much more intentional with the way we uh, structure the data and then use it. Mm -hmm. So I think that'll just help data quality in time. As far as what's feasible today, there are already multiple AI deep learning models that are available through uh, Esri's system. Um, so we effectively can unlock a lot of our drone aerial imagery and start to run uh, image recognition and object identification to help support productivity tracking or maybe in the future schedule updates and other type of planning. Mm -hmm. uh, we're starting to look at ways we can use aerial imagery and those models to start to do uh, estimating takeoffs regarding like tree clearing and other type of land use type of civil yeah. uh, infrastructure updates. And I think that'll be super powerful. So it's definitely already present. I think the ability to have consistent ways people use it will be what's to come. Yeah, uh, how far in the, the future do you think that that comes? I think the imagery is already with us. We just need to figure out the right way to collect the data hmm. so we can leverage the, the AI aspect of it. We're probably two to three years out from having a, a stable enough data set uh -huh. that we can consistently use it going forward. Yeah. Uh, one of the biggest uh, learnings as of late has been this concept of like national data sets. So no longer are we looking at our GIS data like we may with BIM data where you have like, it's the project. Right. And everything is contained to that project. We still curate the GIS data on a project by project basis, but it's we're driving our teams and our, and our projects to work together to establish more of that nomenclature layer state yeah. database standard. That way, everyone is working together on building the data hierarchy and the data set. Mm -hmm. So AI should be more feasible to, to implement. Yeah, I, I love that because I think that there's uh, so much power in, in crowdsourcing the, the data. You know, it's, you're, you're never going to really get to the, you're never going to be able to scale it if you keep focusing on these small project sets. Some project sets are massive. Understand yeah. <laughs> if, if you are able to crowdsource it over an entire company and over a, a huge region, you're able to get so much more efficiency gains and then take the, the pauses to kind of do the debriefing and, and then learn from a, a project that you may have never had any work on, mm -hmm. but there's still insights that you can pull in and, and learn from that and pull that in. Um, I, I think that's, that is, is going to be a critical thing that is a different mindset and different way that construction has has worked so far uh kind of breaking down those the silos yeah absolutely uh, so we're at the design and make conference here uh what do you think the the main theme is going to be coming out of so i have a i'm looking forward to two things naturally ai we've already talked about that i think that'll be a big push i'm curious to see autodesk's perspective on uh, what they're working on yeah um, and how that could help all of the organizations that are here i think the second theme is um, 
I think we've reached a point where VR and mixed reality is is commonplace, mm -hmm. and I think I hope we start to see more workflows that drive ease of use mm -hmm. because I think it is feasible. It's been around for years. Mm -hmm. uh, different teams and organizations approach it differently, mm -hmm. so the ability to drive a little more uh, common outcomes I think would benefit all. Um, so I'm looking forward to hopefully hearing and seeing updates on Autodesk's perspective on that. Yeah. Nice. So on Bridging the Gap, we love focusing in on the innovation that's happening in construction right now. What does innovation mean to you? Ooh, great question. So I think innovation to me is really giving the space for our team members to try something new. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we always balance this. How do you create how do you create enough space for them to feel empowered to not necessarily think totally out of the box? Yeah. But what is that most next acceptable evolution mm. of what I'm doing today to give back to a project, to drive efficiencies mm -hmm. and add value to the team. So I really think it's the ability to give, give space and encourage and promote um, change yeah. uh, for the betterment of our teams. Yeah, I like the, what's the, the next acceptable evolution of it. I talk a lot about the 1% the improvements and that, that goes along spot on with that. Uh, looking in kind of your, your crystal ball, what is, what is modeling the future what does that look like to you over the, the next five years for construction? So I'd like to see in about in about five years from now, the just the holistic nature of the way the data comes across mm -hmm. on projects. Mm -hmm. I think there are still a, a series of buckets and silos and pockets of these people have this information and these sure. people have this information. And it's still very, um, it's almost forced communication right. to understand the whole picture. So I hope to see the way GIS has has cracked open other industries mm -hmm. regarding data sharing, data standards, a pretty ubiquitous level of information. Mm -hmm. um, how that will really complement and drive faster onboarding and decision making of our projects, yep. where everyone is more contextually aware, um, so then they can go back to kind of focusing on what they're what they're great at. Yeah, very nice. How do people find out more information and connect with you? So they can uh, they can happily reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect and share more. And then, of course, this week at the conference, I'm sure I'll see a lot of people and uh, yeah. happy, to, happy to share more about our story. Awesome. Well, final question for you. If I could give you all construction power, you could snap your fingers, you could innovate one thing in the industry, oh. what would you pick to innovate? I would say, well, that's a good one. <laughs> I leave the hard one for it. I know. <laughs> All right, this is tactical, okay. but I think there's so much evolution with technology, uh -huh. naturally, which sure. is great, and that's why we're all here. Um, the ability for people to, to pick it up mm. faster. Mm. Um, I think the, we're, we're re-entering this new phase of training and coaching and, and enablement where mm. almost the technology curve um, is outpacing team members' availability to learn. Yeah. Um, so I think for me, it's really how do we how do we create the ecosystem where people can pick it up and use it and the training isn't overbearing or overly disruptive to the core purpose of what they do? Right. Um, so it's it's not super exciting from a, like tech innovation, but I do think there's so much already great things happening. It's just making the choice of what do we use and how do we how do we get everyone on board to use it the right way? I think yeah. will be a, just a natural challenge we'll face 
every day. Yeah, no, I think it's a great point because the, the tech is changing at way faster of rate than what we can keep up with it. There's new things coming out all the time, especially I'm sure over the next week, we're gonna yeah. see some yeah. new things coming out. And so maybe that's a, an opportunity for AI as well too, to, to come in and help yeah. kind of simplify that and take that the threshold down. That's yeah. a great point. Brian, thanks so much for taking the time and good luck with your, your class panel this afternoon. Yeah, thank you, I really appreciate it. Yeah, awesome. And now it's time for my top takes from this episode. First take, the ability to track and locate resources through GIS data significantly enhances efficiency in project management by providing a clear spatial perspective on all components involved. Second take, designing structures that harmonize with the real world environment offers a wealth of opportunities to create buildings that are not only aesthetically pleasing, but also environmentally sustainable and functional. And final take, taking the time to carefully plan and organize your data structure, including naming conventions, is essential for ensuring the long-term effectiveness and usability of your data management systems. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software Great Tech Group at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingagappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining the conversation to model the future on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is hosted, directed, and produced by Todd Wyant, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an Applied Software Great Tech Group production, copyright Applied Software Great Tech Group 2023.